Hi, I'm Ashley. I'm Travis. And welcome back to our monthly conjugal that is known as Pillow Talk, where we answer your questions, take on random topics, and just bullshit about what we're up to lately. Yeah, and I fuck with you while we're trying to record and realize that I've watched Clerks way too much. Yeah, you did. When are we going to bring the blooper reel back? Uh, that's up to you. You're I mean, the... I'm editing now, so I'm senior editor. You you are the senior editor. <laughs> But I'm the senior that knows how to put it in there. And I don't know that I want to tell you. Put it in there. <laughs> now it's not like Travis from Podmortem. <laughs> Double entendre. Gotta love it. See, so you're a senior pecker swinger. Yes. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so, why don't we stop fucking about here and tell everybody what we've been up to in the world of movies lately. Like what? Like movies I've watched? No, I, honey, I movies that you ate. They were delicious. <laughs> no, I actually did watch uh, a couple of horror movies without you. So I feel like I've been come. I, I'm infected with something. I don't know. I actually wanted to watch horror movie and it was weird. I think that's real growth on your part. Maybe. I don't know. But I kind of went down this rabbit hole with like Irish horror movies because it's just not something that you see. I was going to say, I haven't really heard of any Irish horror movies. Yeah. So I watched one called a movie. I can't. It was called The Hole. How much have you had to drink? Not enough. <laughs> God damn it. You know I wouldn't remember names of shit when I'm sober. <laughs> That's true. I haven't had that much really. Um, No, I watched one called The Hole in the Ground. It was good. I don't know. I don't want to give away any spoilers, but it's got a small cast, which you know I dig. And really, it's just about a mother and son, kind of a changeling situation without giving away too much. It was interesting. Mm, okay. Um, and then uh, the other one was called The Cellar, and it's got uh, Alicia Cuthbert in it. I haven't seen her in a minute. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking that, too. I haven't yeah. seen her in anything in a while. Um, and it was really good, too. So mm. I would, I, I don't want to like give away the plot or anything, but I would recommend both of those to anybody who, who's into that sort of thing. They're both Irish or just one is Irish? Now, they're both listed as Irish horror movies, which, honestly, the list of Irish horror movies is pretty fucking short. Yeah, I enjoyed both of those, which is unusual for me. And again, even more unusual that I've watched them solo. <laughs> Usually you just do that with porn, right? <laughs> I don't do that. I'm a lady. Yeah. <laughs> that just means you don't admit to it. <laughs> no, they were good. And I was surprised. Well, not so much the cellar, but the hole in the ground kind of tackles a little bit of Irish folklore. And I always dig movies that, you know, maybe from somewhere other than the United States, where they go into their folklore, their mythology you know, sort of, I guess, native beliefs or however you want to phrase that, because it's not something that I'm familiar with. And I feel like there's probably a lot of really unique things out there, unique ideas for horror movies or just movies in general that just haven't been explored yet. And you feel like you kind of learn something in the process. Well, speaking of foreign horror movies, do we want to talk about the big one we watched together or, and are now traumatized for life from? Yeah. The sadness. Wow. Well, it's fucked up. You can quote me on that. Wow. That movie was goddamn. <laughs> so we're not going to give anything away, but for those of you who have watched it, you know what we're talking about. And for those of you who have not seen it and you have Shudder, get on that shit right away. Oh my God. Like that's the only thing I can think to sum it up is, oh my God. So I feel like the story itself was pretty good. It was really good. I was um, surprised. Yeah. I don't know if I'd go into really good territory. Well, I, I would. I absolutely I would put it on the high right. end of pretty good. It was enough to keep me interested. But this movie is like a gorehound's dream, I would say. I, they mm -hmm. had to have spent most of their budget on fake blood. Had to. 
Mm-hmm. And the practical effects in this movie are pretty insane. Out of this world. I, th- I was talking to my friends in Discord the other night, and I believe I told them that I gave it a 9 out of 10. I had I had some friends who had watched it prior to me and said, you might want to be sitting next to Travis. You might want to have a blanket, pillow, something to <laughs> bury your face in. And They don't know how that role works between the two of us. <laughs> I, did I, t- I grab a blanket and sit next to you. Actually, you don't sit next to me at all. You sit in your chair adjacent from me. Well, that's because my naps are better in the chair. (laughs) But I'll be damned if you didn't nap through this one. You couldn't. There's no way to sleep through this movie. (laughs) So, no, I, I, uh, I was actually sitting there with our dog in my lap. Like, I had to have somebody. And since you're not a, you're not a snuggler, (laughs) I was, I was bracing it on my own. But um, no, it's, yeah, it's an absolute 9 out of 10 for me, an absolute recommendation. Like I said, if you haven't watched it already, absolutely get on it. I happen to think that the story is really good. Um, The cinematography is beautiful. The gore is amazing. And the performances are really good too. Like I was, I was just completely floored because on one hand, I'm watching this thing that I feel like may absolutely fuck me for life. But at the same time, after I got through watching it, honestly, I was tempted to watch it again. And whereas you were like, if I don't watch this movie again anytime soon, I'm going to be good. <laughs> I still feel that way. <laughs> I'm, I'm still in that place. I didn't know what to expect from this movie. It's just like those Irish horror movies. Like you put them on and I'm hoping to see something kind of neat, you know, something you haven't seen before. But you don't. This sounds bad. But I'm going to say it anyway. There are times when like the opening credits are coming up and you get the the production house that's associated with it and, and all this other shit. And it's nobody I've ever heard of. And so you try to keep your expectations grounded for what you're about to see when you've got a director you've never heard of. It's being produced by people you've never heard of. It's starring actors and actresses that you've never heard of. I try to stay realistic about what's about to happen on screen. Damn. <laughs> I was more than impressed with what I saw here, which honestly, I don't know. I don't, maybe I, I didn't hear the hype that you heard, but I feel like my expectations should have been higher because let's think about it. We've watched a lot of Korean horror and a lot of J-horror. They know how to do horror over there. Yeah. Like they're, they're pretty awesome at it, actually. They just show things that I feel like are too extreme for American sensibility. Oh, for sure. I still don't think it was as bad as something like Ichi the Killer or Tetsuo the Iron Man. No, but but to your but, point, they yeah. definitely tackle topics that American directors won't touch at all. Yeah, for so, sure. You know, because points for that. It felt like I feel I can't talk about it without spoiling it, but I feel like it was tackling some very real issues we've dealt with, particularly in the last two or three years. They kind of came out swinging at the very beginning um, about, uh, well, basically just kind of the state of the world. They they just hit it right in the nose. There's and no, they don't try to step around it. There's no tiptoe action. It's just like, fuck you. This is how we feel about that. And I'm all for it. it yeah, I was just absolutely not prepared for it at all. Yeah. Um, if you were going to watch this movie, you you need to, I don't know. Brace it, yourself. You, <laughs> you, better, you better buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> that was my best Mr. Bean. Because they're... <laughs> Like, just when you think, okay, this has got to be the apex of what they're about to show me, it's not. Like, we're going to go one more step. Mm-hmm. And then when you think, okay, this is as far as they can possibly go, 
no, you're wrong. This isn't over yet. You've got 45 minutes worth of continued step-ups until the end of this movie. It's It was wow. kind of like The Fly in that you're sitting there like, this is pretty bad, and then it gets worse, and then it gets worse, and you're like, I don't know how it can get any much worse than this, and then they're like, hold my beer. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do that, and I don't understand. I don't know. I was not prepared for them to just continue to escalate it. Mm-hmm. I think that was part of the deal, is that they just keep turning the volume up on the gore and just some of the crazy shit that you see in there. And I was completely unprepared for that. So it's absolutely a recommendation for me. What about you, Lunchbox? Lunchbox doesn't say words. <laughs> I'll just stand here and nod. No, I think it's it's definitely a watch. Other than that, anything you're reading or listening to, playing? Not, not really. Of note? Well, there's a, I've been, I listen to, it's called The Crit Show. It's a podcast. I don't know. It's just, it's a group and then they do like role playing D&D stuff, but it, it plays out more like kind of like a radio show type of thing. Anyway, they started doing it like I was three or four years ago. So I had a lot of catching up to do and the cast has changed a little bit. But you can tell that like Rev and Jake and Tass and Megan and Kim are all friends. And it's, I don't know, it's just entertaining. I'm a big fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Uh, I also started a new podcast. Great guys. They're called Watch If You Dare. It's Aaron and Derek. Uh, I I hate to throw us under the bus by saying they put us to shame a little bit, but these guys, like, they really do their homework, and they cover films that I have not seen any other horror podcasts cover. Like, just right out of the gates, they had a Cannibal Holocaust and Ferox review, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, I've never seen- At the same time? Yeah, they covered both of them. it's like a combo meal at McDonald's? Yeah. (laughs) Man. And that uh, takes balls. Peeping Tom right after that, which is also known to be very controversial. So that immediately intrigued me because I find it refreshing. And, and this is why I like the channel Spooky Rice on YouTube so much, because these are people that are not afraid to tackle the controversial films, even though the subject matter may not be for everybody. And people will say, well, movies like that should be banned or they're insensitive. These guys are like, okay, but at the end of the day, they're still film and we still acknowledge them for being that. So I just thought that was amazing. And and Watch If You Dare is also under the opinion that David Lynch absolutely makes horror movies. So they pretty much won my heart from that moment. Okay, what is it that Lynch made that they think is a horror movie? They did Lost Highway. And I've heard other people, there's been debate on whether or not Eraserhead is considered a horror movie. Uh, I know you're going to disagree. Okay, I you, don't care. You might be able to sell me on Eraserhead, but I would put Lost Highway more in like a Maybe like a suspense thriller category than a horror movie. Well, I could see the argument being made for horror adjacent because... psychological horror, maybe? Maybe, because I don't even think that character has a name. It has disturbing imagery. Yeah, the guy with the camera. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah, that real pale, creepy guy. Yes. He he's he's stuff of nightmares. So yeah, I was absolutely excited that they covered those. And I'm like, yes, finally, somebody gets it. It doesn't have to be a certain certain type of genre in order to be discussed. You know, that's like I'm going to hold you to that. That's later. why Predator was one of our first films discussed. After all, yeah, may not be considered horror, but it can be horrific. You're, you're backing yourself the into viewer. a corner here because there may be some action movies that I'm going to bring to the table using your argument. Like what? I can't think of one right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I'm going to go look. What, like Cyborg? I can make an argument for Cyborg. No. That's your movie. That's not my movie. Because that bitch is creepy AF when she pulls her wig off. Scared the shit out of me for years. It still scares the shit out of me. There's something about stop motion that's fucking terrifying. There, I said it. All right. Well, you just kind of laid that all out there. (laughs) 
anyway. Um, you just exposed your shame to everyone. <laughs> shine on my shame. <laughs> anyway, I was also introduced by our good friend Kent that I'm sure you guys are all sick of hearing about by now uh, to something called pirate metal. I'm not. <laughs> we know you're not. <laughs> I, at the risk of him adding me, I don't think it's for me. <laughs> But the good news about that was that it was definitely for our son, Aiden. He loves it. So good. Good on him. That's great. Um, He also introduced me to the artist Frank Turner. Not usually my flavor of music, not usually my jam, but found a couple to be pretty great. So if you've never heard of Frank Turner, I would urge you to seek his music out because it's it's actually pretty good. Kind of lifted me up for a couple of tough days last week. Oh, and oh, big news before I go off into that everything else I've been doing. I'm going to be a student again starting in July. So big thing for me. And yeah, he sent me that music. It's kind of a pep talk kind of thing to get me motivated. And so that was pretty cool. So I really figured you'd be listening to like Eye of the Tiger or Hearts on Fire on your way down. (laughs) Ooh, I should have listened to Hearts on Fire. Good suggestion. Maybe I'll start listening to that on the way to school every day. Yeah. Just (laughs) put on your beats and you can listen to it on your way in the front door every morning. Put on my beats to drive in a car that plays no, music? on your way in the door, unless you plan on driving through the front door in the Jeep. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's a hell of a way to make an entrance, but... <laughs> Be your first and last day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a gamer. You are. I'm not. So I, I can't say that I'm playing anything of note right now. Um, it's just the occasional sit-in on Mario or something. <laughs> that's about it. But um, Yeah, I haven't been gaming at all for a while. Yeah, so. I, I, I really, I'm just completely shocked you have not got in on the madness that is Elden Ring. Okay, so I'm just going to apologize for all the hardcore gamers out there because I'm not one of them. Oh, I, oh, don't let him fool you. I used to have to do the thing where I'd be like, okay, dinner's ready. And he'd be like, five more minutes, mom. Yeah, <laughs> but like I tried Dark Souls when Dark Souls came out and I just don't have the dedication for a movie that hits you in the face like that. It's too fucking hard. And they've made a whole bunch of those Souls type games and they're all too fucking hard for me. And I'm sure Elden Ring is too. Aiden loves it, but he's really good. I'm not. I, I play think games he's beat on the, it twice already. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like I play games on the easy setting because for me it's just supposed to be fun, not a beatdown. So <laughs> like if I wanted a beatdown, I would just pick up more overtime at work. <laughs> well, I was just thinking of all the hours and hours and hours you have logged into Skyrim over the years. That was a long time ago, but yeah. Yeah, when it came out, it was, but you know, that was kind of a choose your own adventure type of deal. You just run around and kill random people and you could complete the main quest if you wanted to. And if not, eh, didn't really matter that in Call of Duty. I got Call of Duty because me and Aiden could play at the same time. Like Skyrim is really just one person deal. But uh, yeah, Aiden got me started on Call of Duty because it was a game we could play together. So, and of course we roped in his cousin and his uncle and <laughs> several other people. So. You know, at that point, it's more like a social event than gaming. To be honest, my brother You still do some Borderlands too, right? Every now and then. Only if somebody else is online. I don't really enjoy it by myself. But yeah, I found out really quick that that playing with uh, Aiden's uncle and uh, your brother-in-law that are both just as bad at it as I am, (laughs) it makes me feel better. Anyway, other than that, uh, what I'm reading right now, I am reading a book that my good friend Allison sent me called Men, Women, and Chainsaws, and it's about gender in the 80s slashers. Really fucking interesting. It 
it was not exactly what I thought it was going to be. It's a lot more serious than I expected. So I thought this may would have been maybe just a kind of behind the scene type thing about Scream Queens or whatever. No, it's all about gender roles in that era. So that's it's really interesting. I'm not very far into it yet, but it's it's absolutely one that I'm excited to continue with. And then I have been trying and trying and trying ad nauseum to get through American Psycho. And <laughs> While I love the film and can watch it like a hundred times in a week, literally, um, runs away awkwardly, uh, the book is a little bit more of a slog to get through. <laughs> it just, I don't know, maybe it's, uh, I'm actually listening to that one on audiobook. So it could be the person that they have reading it. And I believe it is Pablo Schreiber reading it, which is Leah Schreiber's brother. And I don't know, I just maybe don't care now if Christian Bale was reading himself as Patrick Bateman, I might be a little bit more interested. <laughs> that would add some drama to the reading, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, it'd be fun. It'd be absolutely fun. <laughs> anyway, so do you want to move on to our questions of the week? Please do. Please do. <laughs> what? <laughs> Christian Bale talked too much for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we already did all the Batman stuff. <laughs> I've, I've gotten all the Christian Bale love I think I can handle for this year. I will do it again. No, please don't. <laughs> anyway, so we have a couple of questions from our really good friend JP over at the Podmortem podcast. Uh, they're a weekly show. If you haven't found them already, please go seek them out. Three of the greatest people in the world. Hilarious. Put on an amazing show every week. So first question from JP is, do you ever look back at stuff you liked as a teenager and think, what the hell was I thinking? Lit the answer... Biscuit. So that is yes. Limp Biscuit. <laughs> God damn, do I regret that. Yes to all of it. And the haircut that I had. Oh God. I so remember this, that this haircut. This thing went around through the football players where you like, it was like a chili bowl, but it was really long on top. So it like hung down, like you parted it down the middle and it hung down. You look like fucking Christian Slater or something, except it was all shaved underneath. Maybe that's cool again. I don't know. It was dumb. The guys would God, do the thing because they all wore caps too, baseball caps. They take off their caps and then they'd use the top of their hand to like grab their hair and slick it back and then put their cap back Imagine on. Imagine like a really fat mohawk that you don't stand up. Yeah. It just kind of hangs there. But it was the thing. Guys, I have photographic evidence of this. I may just keep that in my back pocket next time you I piss will, me off. I will set your pocket on fire. <laughs> my pocket? What the- <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be a little fire. Anyway. Um, okay, admit your shame. Huh? I did it. Now it's your turn. Admit that, your shame. That's really all you have? It's all I can remember. You don't have any other cringy things from being a teenager? Nothing I'm going to admit here. Um, I, I admitted that I listened to Limp Biscuit. Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough shame for hey, one person? Hey, one person out there is going to be like, What's wrong with Limp Bizkit? You damn sadist. Leave me alone. From what from what I hear, they're coming around again. So I, no, I will not no, I be jumping on that boat. Not I this time. I don't think that that's going to be a thing. I guess that can be one of my what the hell was I thinking thing was uh, having things for bro-y guys. And uh, Fred Durst was one of those guys. I, I'm just going to openly admit and I tell it to you periodically because Travis is our resident handyman around here and when he's working on something because travis wears a cap all the time and when he's working on something he tends to turn it around backwards so the bill's not in his way and i don't know what it is about a backwards cap that i'm like mm, 
I don't know. If you're going to lean into something and hit the bill on it and it like folds it down into your face. God, I hate that. So yeah, you may turn it around. Like if you're, if you're looking under the hood of a car, you turn it around so you don't get it all dirty and it's a thing. But then you turn it back around because you're a grown ass man and you wear your hat the right way. You know what? I don't care. When it, you're done. It's hot. It looks good. I like it. I'm sorry. Okay. And maybe that was, maybe that was my thing with Fred Durst. I was, I was looking through backwards Yankees cap glasses. <laughs> I don't know. Because I, I'm not going to lie. Every once in a while, I'll hear a Limp Biscuit song and be like, God damn, I kind of still like this song. Like, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I kind of still like it a little bit. You, you hear break stuff come on and so you like turn it way up and hope nobody catches you? No, but I was driving home from one of Isabel's um, dance classes one night and Behind Blue Eyes came on, which I know. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, don't fuck no. with the Who. No, no. Like, you leave the Who alone. I like, I get it. Believe me. I know. I love the Who, but... I'm still sitting there like behind the wheel and it was a particularly trying day and there I am going down the road. No one knows what it's like, you know, so it just hit me at the right, right or wrong time for better or worse. I feel like I don't even know you anymore. (laughs) But yes, that is a regret because it just felt like it was a, it was a fad. Everybody and their, everybody and their mom listened to Limp Bizkit. There's some bands out there you just don't fuck with and you don't remake their music. You don't mess with Led Zeppelin. You don't mess with the Rolling Stones and you don't fuck with the Who. Wow, I'm surprised you didn't throw Credence in there for good measure. Yeah. Okay. And you don't fuck with Credence Clearwater (laughs) Revival. So I guess for me, it would probably be my fashion choices because... I can vouch for your poor fashion <laughs> choices back then. Because, hey, you know what? You're the one who thought I was hot, so I don't want to hear it. Not in those Jinkos. <laughs> I did not personally own a pair of Jinkos, okay? But everybody at the time thought they were so fucking cool. And it was a big deal because they weren't cheap. You know, you couldn't just go buy them at Walmart. You had You had to pay a fair amount for them. But... I had friends that were able to get them. And so I would beg and beg and beg, please let me borrow it. Please let me borrow it. So the idea behind this was that you wore these big ass jeans that you could fit a family of five in. It was like a denim parachute. They always drugged the ground. So they were always torn up at the bottom or wet. And then you pair that with the itty bittiest baby doll t-shirt you could find. And that's exactly how I rolled. And I probably had on a spiked collar or ball chain necklace for good measure. (laughs) You did. You thought I was hot, so I don't want to hear it. Ah, you know. (laughs) But yeah, looking back on it now, I'm like, what the fuck? That was just awful. I mean, I remember, okay, so everybody who knows me personally knows me as this little kind of meek, timid, nice girl, but there was a time, if you can imagine it, travel back with me to like 1997, okay? I actually got into a fight once in defense of one of my friends. My first physical fight ever. That's not really me, but I got pushed to my limits. And as a result, I got sent to the principal's office and asked if I was in a gang. (laughs) Me? I know. I know. Can you imagine? Anyway. (laughs) But uh, no, I just, I look back on it and I laugh and I cringe because I think, who did I think I was? Like, I think I was hard. Like You thought you were the missing cast member of The Craft. Oh, I would have loved that. But yeah, I, uh, I definitely had my period of my goth phase. Also, once I moved past that like skater punk type of thing, I met my best friend, Mary. We've been friends for over 20 years. She was really, really, really into Marilyn Manson. So was I. Boy, does that not aged well. <laughs> but 
We also, we would go to school in our band t-shirts and I think Mary tended to do like the bell bottoms, flare jeans or whatever. And this is when I moved into leopard or leather territory, which I have not given up either of those things. I just do it a little bit more grown up now. <laughs> but uh, I, I started getting, gaining a little bit more confidence once I got to my junior and senior year. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I look good. And then I met you. So what about you guys? Reach out. What's your cringiest teenage decision? Anyway, moving on. JP also asks us, where do you see horror movies evolving in the future? Um, where do I see them going? I think that they will continue to try to do the, the elevated horror thing. That's my answer. And that's that's fine. That's not necessarily the the area of horror that I would immediately jump to. But that's the popular thing right now. I mean, I would hope that at some point they will start trying to apply that to slashers and get slashers back in. Because I think I just enjoy, enjoy a good old guy in a mask with a butcher knife slasher probably more than elevated horror. I don't know. I feel like they just overcomplicate things sometimes. But uh, I feel like there's a lot of filmmakers out there that are really pushing the boundaries of what the MPAA will allow. <laughs> Um, and as, I think as we see more films coming from overseas with high production value like The Sadness, then that will change probably what we do here. So I think you'll see more elevated horror with more extreme uh, depictions of just gore and violence. That's that's what I see. Hopefully it'll circle back around, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I'm kind of, my answer is similar to yours. I think that we're going to see elevated horror continue to take off. I think probably... I think mainstream horror is on its way out again, if I'm being honest. Now, recently we have had David Gordon Green's Halloween go out there and just fucking kill it. But the trend that I'm really enjoying, it, that uh, clearly you're not, is elevated horror. I think studios like A24 are really kicking ass out there. And so if it's me, I see A24 becoming bigger than what they are because as it stands right now, I believe they're an independent company. I see them becoming more mainstream and just kicking out stuff and kicking out stuff. But I would like to see that trend continue of these people who grew up watching these films that we love so much, but they're just modernizing it because, and I'm, I'm not out to offend here, but the groups, the circles that I, that I run in on Facebook, they just want these tried and true, but ultimately tired franchises to keep going and going and going. And guys, like I'm, I'm right there with you. I want to see Friday the 13th come back, you know, now that the legal battles are over. I'd like to see them make another really fucking kick-ass Friday the 13th movie. That may happen, it may not, but I was, uh, I was in the middle of a thread on Facebook the other day um, in our Killer Flicks group, and on one hand, you had one person saying, oh my god, I just watched the new Candyman and that's an hour and a half I'm never getting back to which I immediately rolled my eyes. <laughs> I again I understand not everybody's gonna have the same opinion that I do and then you had another person turn around and say oh well they really loved it but the common theme in the thread was them talking about how Tony Todd was not in it long enough. Okay I'll give you that but guys what are Tony Todd, Robert England, Kane Hodder supposed to do? These guys are these guys are up there. Okay, I could totally see Freddy Krueger pushing a tennis ball walker. <laughs> I could. He would do it. Welcome to retirement, bitch. Yeah, he would do it. <laughs> like, come on, guys. They, they can't play these roles forever. Like, I'm sorry. I mean that respectfully. I would like to see new slashers come up 
I realize that the ideas are pretty fucking slim, but like I'm excited for the new Terrifier movie because that was a new slasher we hadn't had before. Yes, you could say technically we've already had Pennywise, but that's two. That's two clowns I can think of, you know, unless you're talking about other movies like Clown or Killjoy or oh, whatever that British one is that I can't think of the name of right now. Everybody Happy? Like, I can't think of the name of that one. I can't either. But um, That one was good, though. It was really good. Uh, Stitches, that's what Stitches. it's called. I, I would like to see more original ideas for slashers. That That's my take on it. I, I see elevated horror just continuing to grow and continuing. Maybe it's not going to be unheard of that we have more directors of horror getting Oscars. That'd be terrific. I don't think that'll ever happen. Jordan Peele's already done it. Did he get I, one? I believe he did. Maybe sure? I'm wrong. I'd have to look that up. Don't quote me on that. Well, because typically they just, they take horror directors no matter how good they are. And Maybe they just, he was just nominated. They just stick them in a hole somewhere. And no. they're like, you're really great at what you do, but we're not going to acknowledge you. No, maybe so. he was just nominated, but he did. He hey, if he definitely... got a nomination, that's something. Yeah. that's not easy. I don't have a problem with the elevated horror trend necessarily. I would just say that like, I think the problem I have, well, I do. I do. And it's it's not that they're not good movies. Like uh, Midsummer is a great movie and it's a great horror movie. But at no point during the movie did it cause me any sort of anxiety about what was going to happen next. You are alone in and that. And that's like... You know, the old slashers, and I'll just use Halloween as an example, when Michael's stalking Jamie through the house. Lori, Jamie Lee Curtis, <laughs> the, the babysitter. No, I'm just, that's not what I'm looking and at you feel... about. I'm looking at you for the fact that you went full on Halloween fanboy on me. No, I'm just saying, <laughs> like, you felt some stress there, right? You had some anxiety, and I just don't get that from the elevated horror. Like, Hereditary had some gross shit in it, and it's a good movie, Am I thinking of the wrong one? Do I don't I remember anything particularly gross and hereditary. Fucked up, yeah, well, but not gross. Okay, I'm thinking when the little girl got her head nearly knocked off by a telephone. No, ball. it was knocked off. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that was, was gross just kinda, necessarily. It was kind of nasty, but there wasn't anything in that movie that, I won't say scared me, because I don't know that I get scared really by movies anymore, but, you know, that causes you some stress about what's going to happen next, you know, that gives you that sort of endorphin rush of uncertainty. And I just don't get that from Elevated Horror. Really. I don't know. For me, you can pretty much just go, and that's enough to set me off. So. Yeah. Yeah. I just, like I said, I just don't get that from Elevated Horror. So, I mean, if they could find a way to get that in there, because I'll tell you that when we watched The Sadness, absolutely had it. Because 10 minutes into that film, you know that there nothing is sacred. Anything can happen. Mm-hmm. The person you think is the hero may or may not make it. Mm-hmm. Everyone's fair game. And mm-hmm. that, you know, it gives you that kind of butterfly feeling. Like, I don't know what's about to happen. I don't know where they're taking me. Right. I love that feeling. And, it's it's a great feeling to have. I for just sure. don't get that from the elevated horror movies that I've seen. So, I mean, I don't, I don't mind seeing them progress, but I would like to see them steer towards that slasher side of things where you get that feeling. You want feeling. them to be a little scarier. Yeah, where you get that feeling of uncertainty about what's going to happen next. So, moving on to our next series of questions from our great friend Karima. Oh, goddamn, what's she going to do to me this week? <laughs> now she's laughing her whole ass off at you. She always asks me hard shit. <laughs> I didn't study for this. <laughs> So her first question is, is there anything that happened bad or good during your formative years that led to a family tradition that you are creating now with your own family? Not really. Well, I mean, she says during formative years, and I think I missed that the first time you asked me the question. I would say that we've established more traditions as a family ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because like when I was a kid, I don't know, like we did the standard going to your grandparents' 
house for Christmas and stuff like that. But I don't know. We kind of broke that and sort of boiled it down to we're going to do Christmas with us here in the house. And we're going to do thank You know, we do the holidays here and put our family first, sort of first instead mm-hmm. of we're going to spend an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours driving somewhere so that we can see people <laughs> and then turn around and drive it all back. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a tradition that we have started that I enjoy a lot. It's just... I have, okay, so nobody in my family, I'm just going to admit it, nobody in my family listens to this show. Um, They're aware of it, but due to our subject matter, we've had people shy away, or you're just like my brother and you're forgetful as fuck. <laughs> I think uh, my sister is the only one that listens to it, but in that regard that- She says that, but she does. I don't know if she knows, we do get the statistics, and I know how many people are listening to Mississippi, <laughs> and it's not many calling you She's out gonna throw her under the bus like that i am throwing her under the bus. <laughs> driving it putting it in reverse honking the horn yeah that's me mr bus driver but i feel safe enough to talk about this right now just because i know it's not getting back to her <laughs> so travis's family tends to be in mind to some degree tends to be a little suffocating where it feels like the opening of a mailbox must involve every single member of the family. And you have to be talking to each other all the time. All the time, all the time, all the time. If you at one time start looking at your phone, and I get being respectful, I do. But if you're sitting and talking to this person and it has nothing to do with me, and you're talking about a subject I know nothing about, seems like I should be able to check my notifications. You know, I have my online shop that I need to check things when they come up, you know, may get a text from a family member, whatever. I feel like I should have that right. But if you go on a 12-hour vacation with said family member and they want you to talk to them the entire 12-hour drive and have the same conversations you've had for the last 20 years, it can get a little bit daunting. So I know exactly what you're talking about because I was driving. And that, yeah, there were probably a couple of times where I was like, I'm just, I'm going to pull over and just throw them out. (laughs) Just like, get out, get out. You can't ride in here anymore. Like you're going to have to be quiet or you're walking. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Yeah. Cause Travis and I do a thing where it's almost like doing the show. Actually, when Travis and I are taking a long trip somewhere like, Ooh, you need to listen to this podcast. Ooh, you need to listen to this song I'm listening to right now. Or we talk about ideas for the show, but But. (laughs) we have comfortable silences where we can just enjoy the ride. We, we don't have to be yakking at each other the whole time. We can also put on some music and just travel. And it's okay. Every moment doesn't have to be filled with conversation. Yeah. Again, especially the same ones you've had ad nauseum. Oh, goddamn. Or when they get over on like religion or politics. And it's like, uh, all right, get out of the car. We're not doing this right now. So I, I guess that's it is we just, we tend to do things differently in our own family that we don't expect our children to be up our ass all the time. We let them have their own things. I mean, yes, if we turn around and say, hey, Aiden, hey, London, hey, Isabel, and, you know, they will talk back to us. But I don't feel the need for them to fill that silence the entire time. No. Because I, I literally once got my head chewed off because I took a nap on that trip. Yeah, you fell asleep and left me alone. No, 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 no. The trip that we went on without you. Oh, yeah. I got in huge trouble for taking a nap. And I'm like, I'm a grown-ass woman. Well, I mean, God forbid you take a nap on a 12-hour car ride. (laughs) Who does that? (laughs) 
Um, for me, I guess something that we do that I'm a little bit proud of, and it's a good memory for me, so this isn't anything bad. And I wouldn't say it was something that um, was a tradition when I was growing up. It was just something we did every once in a while, but it was a huge deal to me when we would do it. And that was that every every once in a while, my aunt would take us to the grocery store. And if anybody's old as fuck as me, you would have these big bins of Brock's candy. But anyway, she'd let us fill up a whole fucking bag of those and then take us to the video store and let us choose horror movies. So wasn't just regular movies. She was like, you pick out a scary movie you want to watch and we'll all just kind of pile up and eat candy and watch the movies. And, it, and I used to love doing that. That was my favorite thing in the world. That was the first time I watched Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. That So I think that's why I have such a soft spot for that movie because it's such a great memory in my mind. So Travis and I have done that over the years for various things. It's not, the difference is, is it's not always horror that we do that with. No, we have to be kind of careful with that based on content. If we're going to have all right. the kids in the room. Um, oh, well, I, I was thinking of our, our quote events we've had. Yeah, no, no. But that's what I'm talking about. Where we get popcorn and junk food and candy and all that shit. And it's good. There was one year that I did, I did the Voorhees burgers that they did in Jason Goes to Hell. I did bloody popcorn. Um, let's see. And then we tried to reenact the Great Hall. I think that's what it's called. I, it, it's been forever since we've done it. Um, the big fe- giant feast that they would do in Harry Potter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we did that when we were going to do Harry Potter marathon. We just like load up our, our kitchen island with just all different types of food, savory, sweet, and the kids would just treat it buffet style and we just watch as many Harry Potter movies as we could in one night. So what I was getting at was basically I was trying to take this thing that my aunt did with us that I held so dear and try to reenact that for our kids so they would have that same memory. And who knows, maybe they'll pass it on. So and it works because it gets them engaged. And while it's still pretty easy to get Isabel in on stuff because she's small um, and she still thinks we're cool. Um, <laughs> Most it's days. A, yeah. It's a lot harder to get the other two in. And usually when you bribe them with junk food or Taco Bell, then, yeah, they'll sit still for an hour and watch a movie. It's a lot easier to get Aiden roped in for D&D. This is true. We have done that as well. <laughs> and for London, usually if you say, hey, let's do the Wii. Let's do Wii Sports, which nobody does anymore except for us probably. Or Uno, because London loves card games for some reason still. She's usually pretty good about board board games and that kind of thing. Yeah, but. so I guess to be more generic, we just kind of do family nights. Yeah. Where it's just, just us. So you thought that question was hard, but Karima really threw the whammy at us this time. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> she asks, remake this movie by making it more horror, updating the cast, director, etc. Your movie is Total Recall. I'm ready. I went, fuck. I'm ready. I got this. <laughs> I absolutely freaked out. And when I tell you why I freaked out, I may have to turn in my nerd card. And that is, I had never actually seen Total Recall. She's also never seen Back to the Future. And she'd never seen the original Ghostbusters. <laughs> Go ahead, slap me now. I've always been more of a horror nerd than sci-fi nerd. I will I will give you that. But I feel ashamed of it because I'm a huge Arnold nerd. Like, hello, first episode of the show. So I felt really bad about it. I was aware of it in Robocop 
is one of my favorite movies of all time. So I really enjoy Paul Verhoeven's work. So I'm really disappointed that I did not watch this movie any sooner. But ever since I got this question, I have versed myself several times. And now and then I felt confident enough (laughs) to tackle this topic. Okay. So... Do you want me to go first? Yes, mine's you go be first. A lot shorter than yours. You go first. Yes, okay. I did all. I did all the stuff. All right, sports fans. So I simplified mine a lot. Um, I think you went and recast the extras. Even no and the sound I, guy. No, I did not. I, <laughs> I did not. I did not. I recast the director Arnold, Sharon Stone, Michael Ironside, Rachel Ticotin, and Ronnie Cox. I didn't get their character names. I I did. So <laughs> she had to help me out. I did. <clears throat> so director, I narrowed it down to one, two, three, four, five possibilities. <laughs> Because they all bring something different to the table. So the first one I thought of was Steven Spielberg. And I think it's just because we just did Jaws. And the man's obviously got some horror chops. And I think that he could bring that what you don't see is scary. He also lends well to sci-fi. He does. He can do both of them really well. And I think he would bring a lot of expertise to it. And I think he could make it scary and make it a horror movie without making it uh, super gory. So sort of the opposite end of that spectrum. Uh, Takashi Miike, who did Ichi the Killer. He could bring the gore, but it might be really fucked up by the time he got done with it. Like, it might be one of those movies that's just hard to watch. Like, I've seen Ichi. I probably won't ever watch it again. Honey, Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod says there can only be one. Well, I picked five. So they're just going to have to fight it out and chop each other's heads off. Um, I think Park Chan-wook, who did, the, uh, who did Old Boy in the Vengeance Trilogy, I think he could knock it out of the park. Eli Roth would like to see what he could do with it. But I think my top pick is David Cronenberg. Nice. Because I think he would bring this. This movie's heavy on body horror anyway, and I think he could really turn it up to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> I think he could. For Arnold, that one's tough. That's like the hardest recast. Like that's the one I struggled with the most, and I just couldn't come up with one that I could stick with. So I narrowed it down to about five. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so there's. So the first guy I thought of was Jonathan Tucker, who was in the. Uh, Takes Takes a chance chance on Massacre remake. remake. Because I feel like he did a good job in that role. And he's not a huge guy. I feel like if you recast a huge guy in that role, you're like, oh, you're just trying to you're just trying to replace Arnold. But uh, I think he's got the acting chops to pull it off. I think John Boyega would be an interesting character. I love that idea. To play that. Love that idea. Um the the other one I picked is James McAvoy. Because he's got a huge range and he did a great split personality in the movie Split. And so, in in this in Total Recall, Arnold's almost playing two characters, two right. different people. Um, I, th- I think Matthew McConaughey would just be funny as hell, <laughs> and he's <laughs> he takes a chainsaw massacre. Uh, I think he he would definitely bring something to the role. And when in doubt, you just cast The Rock. The but Rock honestly, has not been in any horror movies. If I had to narrow it down to just two, it would mm. be either John Boyega or James McAvoy. I think both of those guys could do a really good job. And they've got some, some horror pedigree, so I think they could do it. I wouldn't necessarily say John Boyega has horror pedigree. Well, he did attack he, the block. He did do attack the block, so I'll allow it. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I don't get a red card. Awesome. Sharon Stone, her character, uh, she's Arnold's wife. I don't know her name. Her name is Lori. Lori. So for Lori, I really only had one pick. It was the first person that came to mind, and I thought of another person, and then I took him out. I think Samara Weaving would be badass in that role. I agree. That's a good pick. I think she would just be pretty awesome. And she's done some great horror work. Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I think she's only done horror work. And she pulls off crazy 
probably better than anybody else. Honestly, I'd like to see her take a swing at Harley Quinn. Yeah, you've mentioned that on the show before. I'm doing it again. Keep wishing. (laughs) Anyway. Okay, so I got interrupted there. But anyway, I think Samara Weaving is an awesome actress, and I would like to see her in that role of Laurie. So Michael Ironside's character, who had a name, Richter, was his name. Oh, and... (laughs) I had several choices for him, and I think I really narrowed it down to the one person I'd like to see it. I thought Andrew Devoff would be good. Michael Rooker would be good. But he always plays sort of a henchman. But then he also did Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, Mm -hmm. which is a fucked up movie. Yes. And he was really good in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Woody Harrelson could maybe do it. Wow, that's random. I know. (laughs) What the fuck? But I'm thinking natural born killers, Woody Harrelson. Uh, okay. I see. I see. Danny Trejo's just fucking scary. Um, but the one that I finally picked, Walter Goggins. Not bad. It's... Walter Goggins would be good in that role. Either that or uh, Red from, uh, I don't know, fuck, Topher Grace's dad in that <laughs> sitcom. He was a bad guy in Robocop. I don't know his name. He's bald guy. <laughs> we did this last time, too. Yeah, well, I don't remember for his name For some reason, Kurtwood Smith. But yeah, for him. some reason, that's such a hard name for me to remember. Yeah. But I, I still pick Walter Goggins because I just like him as an actor. I think he's fantastic. He Absolutely. So for Rachel Ticotin's... Melina. Melina. For Melina, I think I had three. I've narrowed it down to three. <laughs> <laughs> I think Lupita Nyong'o that was in uh, Get Out... Or not Get Out. Uh, Us. Us. Uh, but she also did another one called... Uh, was it Little Monsters? Mm-hmm. It was an Australian film. And she was fantastic. I just really like her as an actress. I think Florence Pugh would be really good in that role. I agree. Or Danielle Harris. If I was going to... I don't know. That'd be really hard for me to pick between Lupita and Florence. Danielle Harris would be good too, though. Anyway, for Ronnie Cox's character... Uh, Cohagen. Cohagen. He's the main <laughs> bad guy. <sighs> All right. So, Jeffrey Combs, I think... Like, I he's ne- has he done anything but horror ever? I don't think I don't so. Know. But I like I like Jeffrey Combs. So do I. I think he would be great he's in that He's one role. of my boyfriends. I think that if you needed a character that to really bring a lot of gravitas to it, Gary Oldman, he he can pull off anything. I think Jeff Goldblum would be really interesting in that role. And Richard Jenkins. I think Richard Jenkins might be able to do it. Okay. But yeah, if I was gonna, if choices. I if I had to pick one, I would pick Jeffrey Combs. Like if you threw all those guys out there and I was gonna pick one to be that guy, I would pick Jeffrey Combs. But I don't know, that's what I would I would I think that's how I'd do it. You know, let Cronenberg in there, give him a good budget, darken it up a little bit though. That's one thing that I don't if you were gonna do horror, especially once they get on Mars when they're like, what is it, Venusville or wherever it is, everything's really brightly colored and all that, I think it would just need to get dark and dirty, you know. And uh, I think Cronenberg could bring the right atmosphere to it. Because just the movie as it is would be a lot scarier if the atmosphere was changed some. So, all right, that's it. I'm done. So when uh, when Karima first uh, broached the subject to me, I said, how the fuck am I going to recast Arnold? Why would you want to recast Arnold? Like, he absolutely makes that part. But I did. And so I interpreted this movie four different ways. I'm only going to talk about three of them. My main one, my ultimate pick, and then two that I did just for fun. <laughs> so, so I decided to go in the realm of what if you turned Total Recall into an 80s slasher? Or at least, maybe not necessarily a slasher, but at least an 80s horror movie. That aesthetic. So, for director, I chose John Carpenter because, duh. So, like Travis, though, I had a hard time trying to cast Quaid because you need a badass in that role, ultimately. He doesn't have to be huge like Arnold, but you need somebody who you know is going to save the day no matter what. So, I had also 
three picks and ultimately narrowed it down to one. My knee-jerk reaction, my first choice, top of the board, was Tom Atkins. I'm thinking fucking badass, lady killer, will abandon his fucking kids to save the world. Like, we need that kind of big dick energy in a movie like this. Have to. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought about it, I was like, mm-hmm. So then I start thinking Carpenter. I'm getting Carpenter to direct. Who better than Kurt fucking Russell? Again, huge fucking badass. The most epic of beards. You just know that the man, you can trust him. The man with the beard is the man you can trust. But who I decided to go with, ultimately, who I feel is our biggest 80s horror badass, Bruce Campbell. I love you (laughs) so much right now. I feel like he's this huge, larger than life badass, but at the same time, he pulls off that everyman so well in the fact that he's going to make mistakes. He's going to crack jokes. He's hell, he's going to crack up, period, you know? And I think that that's something that would lend to fun in this, in this film. So for Lori, which would be Sharon Stone's character, I chose, and this is going to make Travis over at Podmortem swoon, but I chose Barbara Crampton for her part because I am a huge, huge fan of Reanimator from Beyond, and she just brings that sexiness and yet craziness at the same time. She can also be very sweet, so Barbara Crampton for that choice. For Richter, and let's commence with the eye rolls, for Richter... Michael Ironside's character, I chose Doug Bradley because I could just hear his big booming voice and his seriousness and his sternness in that part. And for everybody who's aware of the scene where Quaid tries to wear a disguise when he first gets into Mars and Richter is held up because he can hear that something is going wrong with somebody out there, whatever they're in, train station, airport, whatever. And then he makes the ultimate realization and just goes, Quaid. And I heard that in Doug Bradley's voice immediately, Quaid. And I just thought, that'd be so fucking cool. (laughs) I could absolutely see that. Plus, for some reason, you know that the man can pull off an outfit. And I bet he can pull off a suit too. So (laughs) that was my choice for Richter. For Melina, Rachel Ticotin's character, I chose Maria Conchita Alonso because I absolutely fucking adore her in the 80s for The Running Man, Predator 2, and then more recently, Lords of Salem. I just, I think she's great. And I absolutely think that she would just crush that, especially if it was 80s Maria Conchita. Like, she was so fucking hot and badass. Like, I just loved her. And I think Travis probably agrees with me on that. And filling in the role of Co Hagen, Ronnie Cox's character, I had to have him in here, guys. I just had to. I brought him up, but and I had to have him. Even though he didn't take the lead, he did take a spot. I want Tom Atkins for that part because, yes, he can play the badass, but I'm also thinking of his character, Lethal Weapon. And yes, I realize that's not a horror movie, but he can also pull off that maybe corrupt businessman type of role and I would like to see him in there some form or fashion. Now for our cab driver whose name is Benny and forgive me for not knowing the actor's name. (laughs) Travis and I had a ball with this one because I said actually Travis said and I ran with it. Travis said you know who would be great for the cab driver or Benny would be Miguel A. Nunez Jr. and I went fuck yes that is perfect. (laughs) I win. That was my idea. (laughs) Because it's damn enchiladas. (laughs) 
Who else are you going to put in that role? Ooh, baby. <laughs> but no, yeah. Um, Friday the 13th Part 5, Return of the Living Dead. Like, yeah, he just would fit that loud, brash, but kind of cool. And, you know, I just, I thought that was great. And then for, and, and forgive me, I can't remember the character's name, but it's the guy that's harboring Quato on his tummy. I'd actually like to keep Marshall Bell in that part because for me, he's still a horror actor. You know, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Um, I've seen him in Tales from the Crypt. Like, he, he lends very well to horror, so I thought... Yeah, he's fine. I'll keep him. I'll allow it. So those are my picks for my horror dream team there. You left you left one out. Who did I leave out? Well, I thought you were going to cast Danny DeVito as the actual <laughs> Quato <laughs> belly monster. No, he's not horror. I guess we could do Warwick Davis, though. <laughs> but I decided, like I said, to go a step further and try to modernize it. A little bit but I wanted to use it in terms of directors who recast the same actors in their movies so I told Travis I was like you know it'd be really fun what would Rob Zombie do with it well, there goes our fan base <laughs> so he'd cast his wife in five different roles <laughs> so in the part of Quaid I decided to go with Ken Forey because again badass but I want 80, 70s, 80s Ken Forey, like Dawn of the Dead, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, that Ken Forey. Um, you know what? You could take Ken Forey from his Halloween remake. Uh, yeah. Still. Like, Joe Grizzly? He, yeah, Joe yeah, Grizzly absolutely. would still work. Absolutely. Um, for Lori, of course it has to be Sherry Moon. I mean, she's the only blonde. <laughs> well, and Lori's the one that gets <coughs> closest to naked. and That's true. That's Joe. Because uh, Melina never takes her clothes off in this movie. <laughs> so, yeah. Sherry Moon's pretty much locked into that one role. <laughs> For Richter, <laughs> you have to have Bill Mosley there. He he screams henchman. He just... I, I don't know why he does. I'm just trying to imagine him as Richter, but playing Chop Top in that role. <laughs> it would be hilarious. Lori is my life. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, for Melina, same pick as you, Danielle Harris. Um, for Cohagen, Malcolm McDowell, because Malcolm McDowell. I mean, no words. And then for the cab driver, same pick as you also, Walter Goggins. I didn't pick the cab No, not driver. for that part, but I mean, same actor you chose. We, we tended to kind of think of the same people here. Walter Goggins is fucking awesome. He's though. hilarious. Uh, I just, the thing I, is, he can be funny in a movie and it still be a scary movie. Or, well, have horror elements. I'm thinking Predators. Yes, and I'm thinking and of was... a horrible, tasteless line from that movie that yeah. we still joke about anyway. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just saying that he was he was pretty fucking funny in that movie, and it didn't take anything away from it. No, no, absolutely not. And then I wanted to further moder modernize it by saying, hey, what if Jordan Peele directed this film? So... In the part of Quaid, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, I fucking love that actor. Like, he has such a presence and such, I think, I feel like he's got the physical build for Quaid. And I, I think he's leading man material. I was, I was really, really, really happy with him in Candyman. And as awful as a movie as it was, I was not disappointed about him being Morpheus in the new Matrix movie. I... I think he's great. I think he's tremendous. Um, for Lori, going with Get Out, Allison Williams, because she pulled off fucking Bag of Cats crazy. I think she would absolutely nail it. Um, for Richter, I picked Winston Duke because, again, stakes a little bit higher if you have a bigger guy this time. And Winston Duke's a, like, I, 
I've said the word badass a hundred times throughout this episode already, but he just is. I fucking love Winston Duke so much. Plus he's funny and we could have a little bit of a humorous element in there. Winston Duke would work as Quaid also though, I think. Um, For Melina Lupita Nyong'o. Again, she's just tremendous actress. I I love everything that I've seen her in. Um, for Cohagen, Bradley Whitford, because smarmy, corrupt. Who is that? Wow. <laughs> so in Get Out, he was the dad of Allison Williams's character. Oh, okay. Okay. I would have. Op- Voted for Obama a third time. Okay, um, I know who you're talking about now. And in Cabin in the Woods, he was the guy that just desperately wanted a merman so bad. And at the end, he finally got his merman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I know who you're talking about now. <laughs> anyway, and then for the cab driver, I would have Lil Ray Howery, who played the best friend in Get Out. T- uh, TSA motherfucker. TSA motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he was hilarious, obviously. So... <laughs> I did have one more where, and I'm not going to share it, but I did have one more where I was like, what if David Lynch did this with all the characters throughout the Twin Peaks universe? (laughs) But I'm not going to keep this going any longer than it needs to. But my way that I decided to change the story, and I don't know that Kareem unnecessarily asked us to do that, but I went ahead and did it anyway. So... If I have one complaint about Total Recall is I feel like the story is packed so much and can get a little bit convoluted. Like, okay, we've got this guy has the double identity thing happening. That's a lot. We also have this thing about a bunch of rebels who are trying to take down this overlord. Okay, that's more. And then at the end, we're going to fucking throw aliens into the mix too while we're at it. It's, ah, ah, okay, 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 okay. That's a lot. <laughs> so. Yeah, so the issue I had with it was that I guess I had always kind of taken it at face value. But then you said you saw an interview or something like that where Paul Verhoeven said, well, it was all a dream. Supposedly, well, he said that in, a, in an audio okay. commentary. Allegedly. Allegedly. The, the issue I have with that is that if the whole thing was a dream, if that's what he said, and the whole thing was a dream, then why is it that we see so many things that are not from Quaid's perspective? Like, if it's a dream, Quaid's not going to know what the bad guys are doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he's not going to dream their separate conversation, necessarily. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. So... I feel like they could clean the story up a little bit for sure. So I would basically keep the story almost exactly like it is, but take out a couple of those elements. It will start off the same as Quaid going through all the beats. He just wants to go to Mars. He's been having the dreams. It's almost exactly the same, except instead of having the mutants, because of the lack of oxygen, be kind of the way they're portrayed in there is kind of like hills have eyes mutants almost. I would like to see them scarier, like think of the descent creatures where without this oxygen they mutate to something less human they don't have fancy psychic abilities or anything they're just bloodthirsty creatures that are killing and then we find out for sure that quaid is in fact hauser and not only has he been in cahoots with cohagen this whole time he was actually the overlord the whole time but wanting to assume power cohagen overthrew him throwing him into the role of Quaid. And when Quaid makes that realization and has lived this other life as Quaid, he no longer wants to be be the, the dictator. He instead, like very much like the movie, he wants to right the wrongs that he made before. But instead of having the happy ending where he gets this life he's always wanted, gets the girl, saves the day, he gives his life and gets taken down by said creatures in order to save the planet. 
that's that's where I went with that. Uh, yeah, so. you went to a place. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't see you do anything. No, I didn't. You uh, didn't do the reading. I didn't. <laughs> I did the watching. No, I agree with you, though, that the story should be cleaned up. Make it just, I don't know, make it a little more defined on what it is. Um, even if you have to kind of figure it out a little bit, that's fine. But there's so many things where they said that, you know, maybe it's a dream, maybe it's not. This was all part of his recall experience. Like, no, the whole thing about the double agent getting brainwashed or whatever, that's the real thing that happened. I don't know. I don't necessarily have to have that explanation, but I think if you were going to make it a horror movie, you'd want to clean it up some still. Uh, I had a really hard time with Arnold. And this is something that comes up in horror movies, I think. And it definitely comes up in action movies. You know, when you cast a leading man like Arnold, it makes the rest of the movie very difficult, right? It's going to be good. People are going to buy tickets. But you can't make a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger in it really scary. And that's the reason it's so hard for me to pick a leading man. It would be easy to pick Chris Hemsworth, right? Or The Rock. But at that point, you've got The Rock or you've got Thor in that role. And at no point are you ever going to believe that they're going to die. And that was kind of, that's the only, if I was going to have an issue with any of Arnold's movies, is that when you put Arnold in a movie, at no point do you ever feel like he's really in danger. Like they killed him in what? One movie? Terminator? Terminator 2, he went out on his own terms. So he's died in one movie ever? Yes, he. while he did survive Predator, I would still make the argument that that movie is scary. No, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. But you did were, you ever, I was afraid for him. But did you ever think that he wasn't going to win? Like, maybe you're afraid he's going to get hurt. It's kind of like we heard somebody else saying that they wanted to cast Charlton Heston. What well, was Steven Spielberg, right? He thought about casting Charlton Heston in Jaws in a role there. I think it was as the sheriff. But if you cast Charlton Heston... As Brody? Yeah. But if you cast okay. him, then you know that the shark is doomed. Because he always wins. That's who he is. And that's mm-hmm. and that's the reason I, I kind of went a different route with that. Picking somebody, uh, a leading person that maybe they will and maybe they won't. That makes That's going to make any any kind of remake that they do where you have a leading hero as opposed to just a movie monster. It's going to make it really tough. Oh, by the way, I found out that Rob Bottin did all the special effects for Total Recall. Rob Bottin is also responsible for the thing. I would absolutely keep him on in every iteration to do special effects. I would recruit the team that did the sadness. Okay. I mean, he did a good job. And I would imagine now with the the better technology than he had in the, what, the mid-90s when that movie came out or whatever. It was just 1990. 1990, that he could do a lot more with it. Mm-hmm. But the, those, those people that did the sadness, they had imagination. <laughs> Maybe a little too much. Right. So thank you, Karima and JP, for those questions. They're always so much fucking fun. We adore doing them. And as always, guys, send us your questions via Twitter, via Instagram. We, we'd we love to hear them. Like, they're, they're fun to do. So Yeah. I'm tempted to turn that question back around on Karima. Who would you cast as Arnold? Ooh. If you, had to re- if you had to recast <laughs> Arnold in Total Recall, who would you pick? You hear, you heard of Karima. Like, I'm throwing gaunt- down the challenge. Yeah, I would say the gauntlet's been thrown. <laughs> Because it's not easy. But if you're still here with us, guys, we're going to close and move on to our main topic. We, if you've been around for the show in this last uh, month, you know that we have taken on slashers, uh, more exclusively camp slashers. So as Travis and I were watching these, we discovered that there's been a lot of stuff that has not aged well in these films, particularly in The Burning. And so we've been having discussions about that. And it was that some things in those films were so fucking uncomfortable. And then you take into account Harvey Weinstein was a person who wrote this movie. So that almost puts it in an entirely different lens. But then Travis brought up, okay, but we don't 
we don't want to cancel this movie altogether because there were more people involved in the making of this movie that still deserve the credit. So that made me question, why is it that we will cancel certain directors for atrocities but overlook others because they made classics? You're talking about Polanski, aren't you? I'm talking about Polanski. I'm talking about Hitchcock. Now, Hitchcock's crimes obviously weren't to the degree of, say, Polanski, but it just feels wrong continuing to praise Polanski's films because they're classics and are important to horror cinema, and then take somebody like Victor Salva, who committed the same crime, and say, oh, we're not going to talk about those, even though Polanski literally committed the same crime. Like, the guy's in another country to avoid being prosecuted, guys. Like, so that kind of dulls the shine on Rosemary's Baby for me a little bit, but it doesn't make me stop watching the movie. You know, everybody knows what he was accused of doing, but we still watch Rosemary's Baby. So do I stop watching Jeepers Creepers, a movie that I love? No, I don't. I continue to watch it with the knowledge that a piece of shit directed it, but it's still a good movie. It's still a scary movie, not up to the status of Rosemary's Baby, obviously, but I think that there's probably a lot more directors with skeletons in their closets that we don't know about. So why cancel one movie and not another? Travis, thoughts on this subject? I kind of look at it like this. You may have had a piece of shit associated with the movie, but not everybody that worked on that film was, right? And if, like when you rent that movie, do those actors and actresses still get royalties off of it? Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm. that's a question. I don't know how payment in the movie business works. I know that sometimes they get paid up front, like sometimes writers or whatever get paid up front when they think a movie's going to be shit or whatever. But assuming that they're still getting some kind of check every time that movie gets rented or purchased, if you say... I'm just not going to ever watch this movie again. You're not just penalizing the one piece of shit that was associated with it. You're penalizing everyone who's associated with it, potentially a victim. So you're going to boycott. I don't know. It feels like it feels like you're boycotting everyone that's associated with it. And that just doesn't seem fair to me to negate everyone's hard work because of that. And to go one further with that whole thing, like we're not going to touch anything that they've also touched. And to go back to Weinstein, he's also associated with Lord of the Rings. So we're just going to stop watching that. And he was producer on Scream, right? So is everybody going to stop watching Scream? Or are we going to use our selective memory like they do for Hitchcock and Polanski? Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I just don't. Every Tarantino movie? Every Tarantino movie. I know. So it just seems like people are, they don't consider every factor before they make those statements or decisions and they pick and choose the ones they don't want to watch. Does that make sense? Like, well, this one's a classic. So even though this guy was a pedophile, I'm still going to, I'm still going to watch that movie and, and talk about it being awesome. And that it's Woody a classic. Allen. People still fucking praise Woody Allen. Yeah. That just doesn't seem right. It's inconsistent. It's inconsistent. Like they, they make the statement and then they start making excuses and exceptions for, well, but I like that one. And that's what it boils down to. I'm going to openly admit that I am also guilty of this because when the allegations against Marilyn Manson came out, which I brought up earlier, I was a huge, huge fan of. I have not listened to his music since the allegations came out. Now, I have been keeping up with that news and supposedly he's filing his own suit 
for defamation of character because he claims none of these allegations are true and that he is being set up by said victim and a friend of hers. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But there have been, same thing, there have been multiple women that have come out and had the same story and it's just hard. And so it hurts my heart. It hurts my feelings because it was something that I was so fucking invested in as a teenager that got me through hard times um, that I bonded with friends over. And so that affects me a little bit more than films that I've maybe not seen as much. You know what I mean? Because I don't have, while I have seen Psycho, I have not seen The Birds. I have not seen Vertigo. I've not seen Rear Window. So I'm not as versed on Hitchcock. It doesn't hurt as much. Um, With Polanski, I think I've only seen Rosemary's Baby. So it doesn't hurt as much. Like right now, oh my God, I cannot believe the state that our fucking world is in right now that you have shit going on in Ukraine that it is, but we are more focused on the fucking relationship of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard right now. How fucked up is that? Like, it just, it just boggles my mind that this is what our entire world is obsessed with right now. We have bigger problems in this shit right now, but this is what we're choosing to focus on. Now, that being said, you could make the argument that we are focusing on that to take our mind off of the shitty things that are going on in the world right now. But Johnny Depp's another one. And and everybody, I've seen people fighting over this subject on Facebook. Like, I have a friend that's like basically like, if you're on Johnny Depp's side, don't talk to me right now. I'm not on anybody's side in this trial. I think that they're both to blame. I think they both have done wrong. And that's pretty much my stance. I don't think there's an innocent person in that case. But it doesn't make me want to stop watching Edward Scissorhands. It doesn't make me want to watch stop, make me stop watching Pineapple Express just because Amber Heard's in it, you know? Yeah. It's just crazy. It's just, it's, <clears throat> it's a whole big fucking gray area that I don't feel like, you know, like, like I wasn't a Cosby kid, okay? I didn't watch the Cosbys every week, but I had a beloved show or, or stand-up routine that I used to watch with my family called Bill Cosby himself. And it was up until the last few years, it was something that I continued to quote all the time because I loved that stand-up routine to death. It holds a fond place in my heart and now it's tainted. So like I said, it's a gray area. So I tell myself, okay, why am I saying if we don't want to watch one thing, listen to one thing, then we shouldn't listen to any of them. But at the same time, I'm kind of doing the same thing. So I'm in, I'm in just in an awkward spot with that. I think we all are. I'm not. I just checked my pockets and I found that I have zero fucks to give for Amber Heard or Johnny Depp or their marital problems or whatever the hell they got going on. Yeah. I have none. Yeah. Not one fuck. Not even half a fuck. And I checked the cargo pockets on my shorts, like all of them. They're celebrities. They have celebrity problems. It sounds like they each kicked each other's asses all the time. I, I don't know. I don't care. The only they, thing... like it's it, it saddens me that in the United States, with all the problems that we have, real problems that we have, we're focused on a feud between two celebrities. I mean, goddamn. Really? That's the big thing right now? They were throwing shit at each other in their house or whatever they were fighting over? The only thing that I can say that there is importance with, with in this case is the fact that it has brought awareness to domestic violence. And if you're taking the side of Johnny Depp, I would agree that there needs to be more awareness that males can be victims too. You know, she very, there's proof that she said, oh, they're going to believe you, a man. And that's fucked up. 
that's wrong. And I have seen personally witnessed important men in my life go through abuse from women. It happens. It's real. My brother had an ex-wife who used to just slap the shit out of him just because maybe he didn't say what she wanted him to or he wasn't doing something she wanted him to. It does happen. And I've seen arguments on Twitter where they're like, well, it's only like 2% of males. 2% in how many billions of people is still a lot. I'm not trying to diminish women's rights. I brought up in our episode of The Burning, I too have been sexually assaulted. I'm not trying to downplay that at all. But I think that we need to stop forgetting that this happens to men too. You know, just saying. But that being said, pretty much like you, I could give a fuck. Yeah. And I, I understand the importance of it. And they will come to a ruling and maybe it does bring more awareness to it. And maybe they'll even pass something that sets a legal precedent. But you can't trust that shit either because they can just decide they don't like that particular legal precedent and throw it out whenever they want to. Mm. So I'm not touching that one. I'll just get pissed off. But <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't. I just to me, I have never cared at all what goes on with celebrities. I feel like there are way more important issues out there. It's just that the media chooses to focus on whatever's going on with them like I, they've got millions of dollars i don't even know what their life looks like so they're just not important to me <laughs> isn't that shitty i don't know and especially them when you get to that status you're not even i don't know you're still a person but they don't live in the same world i do and that's one of the reasons i've decided i really like horror actors a lot more because it seems like when you see them at cons and stuff like that, they seem like real people. And we haven't been to, we've been to one, right? Exactly one con. But you see pictures like all over our Twitter feed of people that are getting to go and they meet Joe Bob Briggs and they're like standing right next to the guy, giving him a hug. Like he's a, he's a real guy. He's, he's just like us. Does that make sense? I don't know. They seem more real than your standard Hollywood celebrities. So a little more approachable. Okay. I, I appreciate that about the horror community. They seem to value their fans a whole lot more than the rest of them mm -hmm. so anyway so i said we we tackled a couple of movies and i'm not sure at what point this will air how those line up but absolutely watch a film and go yeah it's of its time we don't condone it fuck disney gives disclaimers before their older cartoons now we could do the same for horror movies why not just say you know, the things that picked it in this, we don't condone, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's it's not hard. Well, we do it on this podcast. Like, hey, you can watch The Sadness, but be warned, there's some shit in there. <laughs> and it may not hit you right. <laughs> so. So that being said, I guess all of this was to say, don't be mad at us if later on down the line we decide we're going to cover Jeepers Creepers or we're going to cover Rosemary's Baby or something like that. Like, I feel like you can... You can do that. You can still acknowledge the place that they hold in horror cinema. We just don't have to acknowledge the pieces of shit who made them. You can acknowledge all the hard work of all the people, all the other people involved in that movie instead of canceling the whole movie over one piece of shit that had something to do with it. I feel like it's completely wrong to totally negate everyone else's involvement based on one person's actions. Agree. So I don't, I've never been a big proponent of that win as a team, lose as a team shit. Like sometimes somebody on the team just fucks up and they need to get credit for fucking up. But if the rest of the team did good, give them credit for doing good. That's just how it is. Right. I mean, I think Jeepers Creepers might have been one of his first, if not the first, role of Justin Long, who went on to be... And he did a great job in yeah, that movie. He went on to have a really great career after that. Yeah, he did. So where, where would we be without that? Well, you wouldn't have Tusk. <laughs> Wait a minute, that might be a good thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wasn't a huge fan of that movie. <laughs> 
I mean, I I actually like Tusk, but I just don't feel like that's the best example. <laughs> I know, and I laughed at moments in that movie. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I do like it. But drag me to hell. I laughed at moments in Tusk that I it was grossly inappropriate, probably for me to be <laughs> laughing about what was happening on screen, <laughs> particularly walrus fight. I, <laughs> It was pretty hilarious, and it shouldn't be. Uh, but yeah, Drag Me to Hell was really good. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we can't, I don't know. We could stand on this soapbox for a while, probably. But we're not, because we're going to go ahead and wrap this baby up. We want to thank you for being here, listening to probably our first really controversial episode. And if we uh, if we offended you, we apologize for that. That's never our intent. We're just giving you our opinions as we see them. You can absolutely be entitled to your own opinion. These are just things we think about. And this is why the show's called Pillow Talk, because these are things that we talk about, not necessarily after sex, but (laughs) they are things we talk about like, hey, what do you think about this? How do you feel about this? And so we're just giving you guys some insight into our conversations that we have. Thank you for being here and putting up with our shit. So next week, uh, well, may, I guess it's next week. We're going into the month of June, and this thus begins Camp Blood. We're going to be covering Friday the 13th series almost in its entirety. I believe we've already told you guys this before, but we'll drive the point home again. We are going to be starting next week with Friday the 13th Part 2, one of my favorite entries in the series. A little bit more fun, a little bit more higher stakes. And just a little bit more going on in general than its predecessor. (laughs) So be sure to come back uh, first Friday of June to check out Friday the 13th Part 2. And we will see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Later. Well, that's just what we call pillow talk, baby.